Let's turn to the book of Acts this morning. We'll be in Acts chapter number 2, Acts chapter number 2, and we're going to look at the uh, last part of Acts chapter number 2, and this morning I'm going to jump right into the message at the end of the message. Uh, I'm going to take, I think it'll take about 5 to 10 minutes uh, for me to give you some updates on uh, where we are with all of our capital campaign and uh, what is right in front of us and what we uh, can look forward to in this year. And I'm looking forward to giving you that update and making an additional challenge to us this morning. But I think uh, the message will help us this morning as we look consider our theme for the year, a double portion. And uh, we're asking the Lord to uh, enlarge our ministry. We're asking the Lord to uh, double uh, our, our church uh, attendance on Sunday morning. And what does that mean? That means twice as many people faithfully attending the house of God. That's a good thing. Uh, that means there are some who uh, have forgotten, some who've been told that churches like this do not exist anymore, and uh, we want them to know that churches still preach the Word of God, still sing the old hymns, still believe that Jesus is coming again. They still exist. Uh, we want them to know that. We want those who've never heard. Sadly, you, you hear the missionary in the Sunday school talk about those who've never heard the name of Jesus. That's tragic. But what is the most tragic to me is a place that has sent the gospel, and there are people in our country who's never heard the name of Jesus. They don't know who, they know who Jesus is, and we want to reach people with the gospel. And so I believe it's something that the Lord would, would certainly bless and honor. So we're asking him for that. And so we're asking him to do what only he can do. As amazing as your pastor's winning personality is, it's not going to double the church. God's going to have to do it, and he can do it through us. And so... Um, uh, Y'all laughed at that. I wasn't joking, but anyway. Uh, now, look at Acts chapter number 2. Look at verse number 41. Of course, this is taking place at Pentecost, that great moving of the Spirit of God through the church. Christ has ascended into heaven. He's commissioned his church to go and win the world, to tell, testify to the world of a risen Savior. And friend, all these years later, that's still the greatest message. That's still the focus. That's still the message uh, that we are to be proclaiming. Look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's a great, great miracle of God. Whenever you see a miracle like that, it is going to bear out after the miracle takes place. We're going to see what takes place. And a secret in the Christian life for each of us is not the highlights. I thank God for those days that are just, I mean, it's just, look what God's done. It's a miracle. I thank God for those meetings that we have. I thank God for those answers to prayer. I thank God for those times where, where, where people are just getting saved and added to the church. But the secret, the real strength is what takes place in the everyday afterwards. We as a people, and I think social media has conditioned us this way, we're always looking for that next high. We're always looking for that next big thing. We're always looking for that next big event to be a part of when the Christian life is just faithfulness. It's just consistently consistency. That's the church. It's just to consistently do what God wants us to do. Now, after adding 3,000 souls, now I'll just tell you, we have a day where we have 3,000 added to the church. We're going to get excited about that. We're going to celebrate about that. Uh, we're going to rejoice about that. I can rejoice when one's added to the, to the household of faith. But notice what happens after that. And they came, verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine 
in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and all, had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. This morning, I'm going to use this text to preach on this message, necessary action for God to add to the church. Necessary action for God to add to the church. It is a fact that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. God wants to add to the church. But there are some actions that we can see from God's word that when God's people do it, the Lord will add to the church. It's a great thing to say we want to double our church. That's a great goal. But God's got to add it. It's, my, it's not my job to add it's not your job to add. It's his time to add. It's his time. It's, it's his, his responsibility to send, his responsibility uh, to, to uh, enable us to do. And so uh, we're going to look at some necessary actions this morning for God to add to the church. Father, I pray that you'd use your word this morning. Uh, what we have in our hands, what we have before us is, is a supernatural book. It's your words. It's your mind. It is what we can build a life on. Certainly, we uh, have our hope of salvation in the Word of God. We have the hope of the return of our Savior in the Word of God. Now, Father, I pray that the Word of God would uh, enable your church today to see uh, some key things, some important things that you will bless so that we can fulfill uh, the task that's been given to us as a church. And Father, I pray if there's uh, one this morning who's unsaved, may they uh, realize that need and trust Christ today. Those that are at a spiritual crossroads today of, of how committed are they going to be, uh, not just to your cause, but your cause as it relates to your church. Father, I pray that today would be a day of commitment. Father, use your word today, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We find in the book of Acts, chapter number 5, verse 28, a verse that I often look at, and I preached on not too long ago, where it is says, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. If you think back not too long ago, I preached on filling Jerusalem with our doctrine. Filling Jerusalem with the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that in the city of Jacksonville, it's our responsibility. And, and last week, I preached on the, the need uh, that is just right before us and the 1.6 to 1.7 million people that are in the greater Jacksonville area. It is my goal as a pastor of this church to make sure that every single one of them has heard the name of Jesus. Every single one of them knows that Jesus died on the cross and paid for their sins. I believe that is a something that it is a goal of ours to fill Jacksonville or our Jerusalem with the doctrine. Our goal, as I've already mentioned, and you know, is to double our attendance. More than that is to fill Jacksonville with our doctrine, to affect the world uh, with the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing will change this world like the Lord Jesus Christ will. 
Matter of fact, he's the only thing that can change this world. It's been proven through the centuries and the millennium that politics can't do it, uh, money can't do it, but the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that makes that eternal change. Uh, so if, are we going to double? That's something that uh, we set out to do. And, and we, we have a vision. I'm just going to be very transparent this morning and give you the heart of your pastor and let you know what I desire this morning. And, and certainly, if we double, we're adding hundreds to the church. That's a wonderful thing. But I'm going to have to be completely honest with you. That's not the end of what my goal is. It's thousands. It's to do more for the cause of Christ. It's to see the influence of our church all over our city. It's not just to fill this building, but to fill 20 acres. It's not just to limit God, but to continue to reach people with the gospel. See, I believe God would be pleased with that. I believe God wants people to be saved. I believe God wants homes to be healed. I believe God wants uh, children to be reached from the time that they can understand that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and them to be sheltered from this world and them to be protected from this world. And what a great testimony to hear from our missionary this morning in Sunday school, how they, they grew up in church and all they've ever known is church. May that be the dream and goal of every child that, that wanders around here, that all they've ever known is a life of church. I believe God would be pleased with these goals. I'll also say that God must do it. He must do it. And not only do I think God is to be pleased with it, not only do I know that God must do it, I believe that there are necessary actions we must take for God to add to the church. See, I am aware that as the pastor, sometimes when I throw uh, goals out that seem a little lofty, that there might be one or two of you out there that think I'm crazy. That's why I don't tell you everything that's up here. Well, can, can that really be done in the day that, that we live in? Well, I believe my Bible, and I believe that the Lord can add to the church, wants to add to the church, but I also know that there are some things that we must do in order for Him to do it. I pray often, Lord, bring, bring those who you'd have here to serve together so that we can reach people with the gospel. I pray all the time, Lord, would you enable us to do more? And I find in my Bible there are some things this morning that we, if we'll take these actions, I believe the Lord will continue to add to the church. I look forward to the day when we celebrate the double portion, if you will, and having a double portion in, 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 the, in the attendance being uh, meeting that goal. And I, I look forward to many things beyond that that the Lord is going to do. But I want us to look in this passage of Scripture this morning, and I'll, and I'll jump right in and I'll hasten uh, so that we have uh, plenty of time to accomplish what we want to accomplish this morning. But notice with me in verse number 42 again. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Number one, I find the right direction. I find the right direction. They continued. They kept going in the same direction they had, always, that they had been planted on. They kept going in the direction that they had been led by the people who, who preached Christ to them. Steadfastly. It means they were not swayed and, and, and changed to the left or to the right. And 
when it got hard, what did they do? They didn't quit on God. They didn't quit on church. They didn't quit. No, they, they were steadfast in continuing. And notice in what they continued in, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The right doctrine is important. That's why I will, I, will make, I, will, I will make no apologies for it. We stand on the word of God. It's the right doctrine. We believe in salvation by grace. Uh, we believe that uh, we ought to be separate from this world. We believe uh, it, that the, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. We believe that this is the eternal words of God. The right doctrine is important. Now, we live in a day when everybody wants to water down their doctrine to attract the crowd. I don't find that in the book of Acts. I, I would contend that the more we make about the right doctrine, the more God will bless it. The more we make about the right doctrine, the more it's going to attract those who are looking for the truth. You realize we live in a day when everybody's lying to you? The Democrats are lying to you. The Republicans are lying to you. Everybody in between is lying to you. CNN's lying to you. Oh, hang on. Fox News is lying to you. Everybody's lying to you. And for somebody to stand up and say, God says, this is the truth. It's refreshing in a day when everybody's lying. And we must continue in the right direction. And when you pulled up this morning and said, Emmanuel Baptist Church, we are a Baptist church. I believe that uh, in, in the Baptist doctrines that have been, been founded. So where do we get those from? Do we get it out of the Baptist manual? Well, absolutely we do. We get it out of the Word of God. That's what we get our faith and belief from. I'm just saying that this morning for us to be reminded that we must continue in the right direction. Uh, many have been uh, visiting for some time. I want you to know this is a pastor who's not looking to get off the next exit ramp of what I, where I've been set. We're going to continue in the same direction as we've always been. And that's what we must do. God blesses that. And we must continue in the right direction. Let me encourage every Christian. Maybe you've been saved a long time. Maybe you've been saved a short time. Stay on that path that you've been set on. Stay continuing in the way that you've gone. They continue steadfastly in the right doctrine and the right fellowship. Your fellowship is important. You need to be in church. Because you need to hear the preaching of the Word of God, but you need to fellowship around the right people. You need it. That's the way God designed it. That's the way it is, it, it, the reality of it. And so I just want to remind all of us that I see the Lord added to the church to those who continued going in the direction that they were set on by the people who preached to them the Word of God. They continued steadfastly. You know what? It means they could go through a battle and come out the other side. It would mean when it's difficult, they wouldn't quit. Why would God add? There's a lot of people, I think, that are being added to churches, but why would God add to his church, add to a church that doctrine wasn't right? Why would he add to a church, to, to, to a place where, where, where we're not going to continue steadfastly? So I find the right direction. Number two, I find supernatural acts of God. Look at verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now, because of time, I'll not go into everything that was taking place, 
But certainly, those apostles were empowered in that day in a unique time and a unique situation, and they were empowered by God, and they saw miracles at their hand. While we may not do the exact same things they did, I still believe that God does miracles. You study the life of the apostles and God empowered them, the Lord empowered them, where they could say, uh, they pick up your bed. And there was times where they were, they, through their word, they healed, but through the power of God. Now, I do not have that power today. It is not because I don't have all of the Spirit. When I got saved, I got all the Holy Spirit that I'm ever going to get, just like you got all the Holy Spirit you'll ever get. The question is whether or not the Holy Spirit has all of you. But I do believe that a believer today can go to their knees and say, God, would you intervene in this situation? Would you intervene in this health? And I believe that there are Christians and unsaved alike who walk around the day at the grace of God because of miracles that God has done through the prayers of his people. Do you realize it is a miracle when a prayer is answered? It is a supernatural work of God? But sadly... Not every church can boast of that. Not every church can testify of that. I'm thankful that God has blessed us with his presence enough that we know that miracles are still being done in 2023. Do you realize it's a miracle every time somebody is saved? That's a miracle. I can't save myself. You couldn't save yourself. You can't save anybody else. I can't save anybody else. No man can say, no matter how, how much they want to do it, your sins be forgiven you. No man, sinful man, can forgive another man of their sins. But you know who can? The Lord can. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have forgiveness. And that's an example of, of, of when God moves with the right doctrine, the right fellowship, he empowers that. There's, there's, there's people, souls who are saved. There's lives that are changed. There's homes that are salvaged. Well, it take a miracle to, to salvage my life. Well, guess what? God still does miracles. it take a miracle to salvage my home. God still does the miracle. And I believe, I still believe that God is empowering and blessing a group of people who have the right doctrine, the right fellowship, the right direction, and are serving the Lord in the way that he has wants them to do, I believe they're supernatural acts of God. Number three, I find financial, we'll see if I get as many amens on this one, financial commitment and sacrifice. Look at verse 44 and 45. In all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now, Contrary to some, this is not teaching that God believes in socialism. Well, it says that they had all things common and sold their possessions as good as a part of them to all men as every man had need. Let me help you with what that means. All things common, I believe, when you put everything that everybody in the church has together, it's enough for the church to do what the church needs to do. That's what it means. It means that, I mean, do we believe God is a supernatural God? Do we believe God knows, knows, knows the con concerns and needs of everybody here? I do. Does God know the talents and abilities of everybody here? I do. And this is where you and I have got to be reminded, you in God's church is a big deal. Because you have something that God can use to accomplish his purpose. 
well, I don't have these talents and abilities, and I'm, I'm not part of this crowd or whatever crowd, and, and I just don't know. No, God puts a group of people together. He knows what they have, and he knows when we put it all together, it can accomplish what God wants to do. Do you think God is big enough to speak to a pastor's heart through the study of the Word of God and through some desires that he places in his heart? Do you think the pastor is big enough to put some things and say, I want you to be willing to step out by faith. And I want you to go to my people and as their shepherd and as their pastor, and I want you to put this out about how we're going to reach more people and we're going to do more things and we're going to prepare some things for the next generation. And I want you to, to do that. And let me just tell you, it may seem reckless to you or not, but there's a lot of pacing that goes on when God puts that in my heart and I'm supposed to tell you. There's a lot of sleepless nights when that goes on. You think God's big enough? And I'm saying, Lord, how in the world are we going to do this? How in the world are we going to pull this off? You mean double, Pastor? I'm talking about that, but I'm talking about some other things I had not talked to you about yet. How in the world? I've got to remind myself, God knows what you got. And I'm not just talking about a bottom line on a financial statement. I'm talking about what, what the means that everybody has. And if God's people will band together, and if God's people will say, we're going to make a difference in our generation, we're going to make a, gener a difference for the generations to come, and we are going to live to get the gospel out. We're going to live to make a difference in this world. Friend, we live in a dark day, but I would continue with you, the darker the day, the brighter the light. And if God's people will just say, this is what God wants us to do, do how in the world are we going to do all these things if we just put everything we have together god knows what we have well pastor you're gonna you're gonna start more sunday school classes where you can get sunday school teachers look around where are we gonna get labor for this look god knows what we all have god knows what we would all do i say hey this is the financial commitment and sacrifice all things common if you put it all together we have what we need but I notice as well, they sold their positions and goods and parted them to all men. So, oh man, he's going to preach today that we got to go sell everything. And No, that's not my message today. My message today is they've set the example that we should be willing to part with some things. We should be willing to. We should be willing to do whatever is necessary for the cause of Christ. There's a financial context here, certainly, but you know what? You ought to rear your children willing that God would call them to the other side of the world. You ought to be willing to give up some time so that you can go tell somebody else about Christ. You ought to be willing to use your talent. You ought to, if God's blessed you financially, you ought to be willing. You know, we, we think we live, while we claim the name of God, and I'm not you know, critiquing that, we certainly like to live independent of God's blessings, don't we? And look at how, look at, <laughs> this is, this, some, this is just going to be, well, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but it's like, I just got a bonus at work. And at the same time, pastor's praying all night long. 
And somebody's like, Pastor, I got it. It's like, yeah, I know. And by the way, I do pray for you to succeed. I do pray for you to get promotions. I do pray for God to honor your labor. All I'm saying is, if God's people are going to, if God's going to add to a church, he gave his son who was willing to give his life so that you and I could have salvation, eternal forgiveness. God's people ought to be willing to give it all for him. They said they parted them. They were willing to part with it. Let's, let's use this this morning, and because of time, you can, you can breathe easy. I have to move on. What is it right now that comes to your mind? You're like, I'd never part with that. Is there something? I don't know that there is. What if there is, just like parts of your life, to say, Pastor, I'll commit to this Christian life. I'll commit to being a help and a blessing through the church. But this area of my life, can I tell you what God wants? He wants that area of your life. But I've given him so much. He wants it all. Aren't you glad when Jesus went to that cross and he was hanging on that cross with the sins of all men? He said, well, this salvation is good except for. Oh, he gave it all. But I find financial commitment and sacrifice. They looked at it as we have it all. We have what God needs for us to do. And by the way, we don't have to look at what others have. God is going to use us to do what he wants us to do. And quite frankly, if you'll let me, this church is a miracle. This church has done miraculous things even in recent days. And the things that God has enabled us to do, I stand amazed at the provision of God and at the, the miracles that have been done because this is a people who are committed. But I find number four, I find a consistency with commitment. All these things so far are vital. Number four is the continuation. So you can show up where you're supposed to be one time. What about the next time? I can pray as I should one time. What about the next time? I can be a witness one time. What about the next time? I can fellowship one time and be a blessing. And by the way, that's why you need fellowship, so people can be a blessing to you, but so you can be a blessing to somebody else too. I did that one time, but what about the next time? I find consistency with commitment. Let's look at verse 47 again. Praising God, or verse 46, I'm sorry, verse 46. And they, continuing weekly, monthly, yearly, no, daily, you know what would happen in this nation if God's people live daily how we should live? They live and continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now let's look at what this verse is teaching. They have, first of all, they had one accord. We've talked about that in recent weeks and months. They never lost focus of what the focus was. It was what they were determined to do for the cause of Christ. 
Bear in mind, Jesus had recently been crucified. He had risen from the dead. He had very recently ascended to heaven and commissioned his church. God had empowered on this day of Pentecost, and 3,000 had been saved and baptized and added to the church. This was their goal. This was their focus to fulfill what God had uh, commanded them to do. Friend, let me just tell you, that, that command will be just as real to you and I today to fulfill what God has commanded us to do in order to do it since they were in one accord. You know what? Their, their feelings were not the most important thing. Right. You know, more churches have been destroyed by a Christian's hurt feelings than Hollywood will ever destroy. Let me tell you, this pastor, if, if, you, if you think differently, I'm sorry, I can't help you. This, this pastor is less concerned with what the Democratic Party is doing, more concerned about bitterness in the heart of Christians. Because that's, that's hurt more churches. We've got to be a one accord. You know what? I don't, I'm the pastor, and I don't always get my way. My wife does, but I don't. I don't always get my way. You know what? It's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's all about the cause of Christ. It's all about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about the fact that there are people all around us who've never heard a clear presentation of the, of the gospel. That is what we ought to be always focused on. I say that in case your chili don't win tonight. I find also, it says in a one accord in the temple... They were faithful to the house of God. They were faithful to the house of God. I commend you for being in church today. I'm, the point that I'm making is consistency with commitment. We need Christians to commit to the house of God. Commit in their attendance. Commit in their participation. Commit in their financial support. Commit in their prayers. Commit in, in serving. Faithfulness to the house of God. Hey, well, Pastor, I just don't know if I can commit. We commit to everything but God and His church. I'm just telling you, did you check your commitment today. Say, Pastor, I've been a member here 30 years. You're preaching on commitment. Yeah, and I know because you've been here 30 years, you need to be, be reminded that you're committed but are you committed to his church, faithful to the house of God? I would hate that we'd be more committed to a secular organization than we are to God's church. And some will not agree with this, but that's Bible. I would hate that we'd be committed to friends and family than we would the house of God. And we want to fuss and... At we want to fuss at Democrats and Republicans and politics and all, you know, this is the mess of our country when you got more Christians who are faithful to the NFL than they are to the house of God. Something tells me if we'd solve that first, everything else would take care of itself. Faithful. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I really want to do that. Well, verse 47, we find that the Lord adds to the church. I believe this, that God is looking for groups of people to add to, to empower, 
to empower the preaching, to empower the prayers, to empower the witnessing, to, to do miracles through. But why would he add to a church a group of people when they're not faithful, when they're not committed, when they're not, they're not, they're not willing to do whatever is taken? And this is a faithful group of people. And I'm just reminding us, if we want God to continue to add, we must be consistent with our commitment. I also find that they daily went house to house. They were faithful to evangelism. I, 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 would, I would be shocked if, if I pulled everybody in here and I asked what is the greatest news anybody could hear and if it was anything other than Jesus saves. I'd be shocked if it was any other answer in this group this morning. I think we would all be in agreement that that's the greatest, greatest news I've ever heard. Greatest news you've ever heard. But are we faithful to evangelism? Say, well, I, I just don't know if I do it. If I, if I tell somebody how to be saved, I don't know if they'll get saved. That's not my responsibility to get them saved. It's not your responsibility to get them saved. It is our responsibility to publish it. As I, as I preached last week on the Maniac of Kadera, all he did was publish. There was a commitment to that. And then you end verse 46 and did either meet with gladness and singleness of heart. They were glad about it. I love that phrase, singleness of heart. What does that mean? It means everything that I've just said, there was one heartbeat. One heartbeat. I'm preaching how I'm preaching because it's what the Lord has impressed me to do, but I want you to know what the one heartbeat is. This one heartbeat is not just to sit back and enjoy just how God's blessed us and we're not going to do anything else. I'm going to enjoy God's blessing. But we are still commissioned and commanded as a church to do all we can do for the cause of Christ. To do more than we've ever done before. This church has enough history and enough miracles and enough blessings. You run into people all over this world who were saved underneath this ministry. There are people in ministry all over this world who, are, who, who, who grew up in this ministry. There's enough history here for us all just to sit back and tell stories about the good old days. But there's a generation today and in the future that would die without Christ. There are homes that would crumble, marriages that would fall apart, lives that would be ruined if we did not have the singleness of heart to say, Lord, we're willing to do some things so you'll add to the church. You say, Pastor, how are we going to double our attendance? I'll tell you how. God's going to send the people. Oh, good. We don't have to do anything. No, God, I preach what we have to do. If we'll do this, I believe the Spirit of God is powerful enough to put people under conviction so that they'll be saved. He's strong enough to reach in the homes of, of Christians who think this is dead, who think the old-time religion is a thing of the past and going to cross paths with somebody and say, do you know what's going on down the Emmanuel Baptist Church? 
Each and every Sunday, God meets with us. God works in our hearts. Uh, God, God brings us under his conviction. We were doing, trying to do more and more for him. It's still, I still believe the Spirit of God can do that and impress upon somebody, you know, let's go try that out. I believe the Lord can add. I believe the Lord is a great statement I've heard in the past. If we'll go tell people about Jesus, God will tell people about our church. We just need to have the singleness of a heart to do what God has impressed upon us to do, and he'll add to the church. Praising, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We as God's people often make the mistake of getting our hands in God's business and not doing what's been given as our business. Well, I wish God, we just need to pray more for God to send revival. This makes me very unpopular in Christian circles, I'm sure. Why are you wasting your breath? Pastor, you don't believe God's in the revival business? Oh, he is. He just told us that first we have to humble ourselves, confess, turn away. Until those three things happen, you can pray and pray and hashtag it all you want. Revival's not coming. It's humbling ourselves before God. Well, we want, we, want, we want to double. That's a great thing. God wants it. What are we supposed to do? I preached on it this morning. If we'll do that, God will do only what he can do. Because he's God. Well, can we have that singleness of heart this morning as I believe we have? If you've been visiting, attending for some time, maybe the Lord's been speaking to you about getting all the way in, making that commitment. I would encourage you to do it today. This is what we're about. This is what we desire. And I believe as we get ready to embark on, I believe, some amazing things that God is going to do in God's going to allow us to see. I believe God's going to touch the heart of people and send them to be a part of it. Nobody is here by accident. Nobody is here by coincidence. You may have walked in here this morning and said, I don't even know why I'm here. God does. You may be attending for a while and say, I don't even know, I don't even know how I ended up here. I don't even know why I keep coming back. God does. Because there's something that God wants to do, and he wants a people with singleness of a heart that he can use to do it. And when it's all said and done, we will be praising God for the fact that he's added to the church. Somebody needs to tell pastor that it's not the same America as it was in the 70s and 80s. Well, I would counter with that. What was the political climate in the book of Acts? I mean, Peter's preaching to the same people who crucified Jesus. They would be martyred. But God added to the church. Boy, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today's the day you need to get that settled. Today's the day you need to let somebody open the word of God, put your pride down, but somebody open the Bible and show you how you can be saved. Show you how that burden of sins can be taken off of you forever. And you can enjoy forgiveness by the Almighty God. Well, if you've never taken that next step and followed in believer's baptism, identify with Christ. Make that commitment. 
Boy, if you're not, if you're not, maybe you've been, you've been in, but you're not all the way in. And as these things get produced, say, I'm going to get all the way in and, and find the way that I can serve and find the way that I can make a part. I'd encourage you to do so. Let's be consistent with our witness. Let's be consistent in our prayers. It's great anytime a child of God prays. You know what's better than that? Is every day. Let's just make that commitment. Make it to the Lord. Let's have that singleness of heart. And we may not understand all of our role, we may understand how we can be a part of it, but if this is what the church is doing, this is how the church is moving forward, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what God is doing. However the Lord has spoken to you this morning, would you allow, would you allow him to continue to work in your heart? Maybe there's someone who needs to come down to the altar this morning and make a commitment to him. I don't know what it may be about, but you do. Maybe this morning's the day the summer added to the church or somebody falls in believer's baptism, or maybe there's something totally unrelated to what the subject of this message was, but God has been working in your heart, and today's the, your day of surrender. Maybe it's something you heard the missionary say this morning. Maybe there's something uh, that is just between you and God, but let's take advantage of the opportunity we have this morning. Spend a few minutes with the Lord. Father, I pray that you would use the message, use your word.